0: The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for the 2016 Twin Cities Project. More information about Campus Outreach Minneapolis can be found at cominneapolis.org. Started, we can get you out
1: to the markets. Before prayer, all right. So now we're transitioning. We're gonna go from lots of gods and God is everything and every everyone to there's just one God and He doesn't He hasn't been married to Mary. He hasn't had a son and anything like that. And talk about Islam. How many of you here here know someone who's a Muslim? Is a friend. Wow. Everyone. Okay. And have you sat down and dialogued with? with them about their beliefs in any kind of capacity. Is that mm-hmm. something that people are done? Yeah, a little bit, so-and-so. Um, that's good. So, most of you probably understand some of these quick facts, but we can read them in our, in our books in page 23. Um, Islam is the name of the religion, and a Muslim is the name of the follower of Islam. My dad asked me, so. What do you think about the Islams? That's just not how it is. (laughs) But there's 1.5 billion Muslims living in 3,200 people groups. There's only six Christian workers for every 1 million Muslims. Um, Similar to Hindu, there's just very few people going to them, right? So we'd love to see more and more people engaging them. And then, this number in the book, 1151, Muslim people groups are unengaged. I think that number is actually down to below 1,000 now. So, praise the Lord for that. But there's still 1,000 Muslim people groups. of have known beginning to even go and take the gospel. with me. And then, Indonesia is the largest Muslim country. So, um, what we're going to do now, before we... We're going to watch a little video about... Somalia. So the, the pockets here that we're going to be able to explore are Somali and Muslims. And so every Muslim culture is a little bit different. We're going to watch a video about a, a Somali woman who comes out of Islam and comes to faith in Christ. And her testimony. So as we're watching, if you guys would just um, maybe take some notes on what you notice about the culture of Somalia, uh, the community what they're like as a community and just any other notes about her story that stood out to you about how she came to faith in the gospel so in christ why don't we just watch that and if you wouldn't mind grabbing the lights over there
2: Somali, born and raised in the Horn of Africa. To be Somali is to be a Muslim. Our religion is our culture. Somali people are very close. We share everything. In our house, we had only one room and there were seven of us. We all grew up together, cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents. We don't belong to our parents only, but to all our relatives, the whole community. Even those who are far, we are still part of each other. We depend on each other. When I was in secondary school, my father died. My uncle in the US took over the responsibilities of my family. He provided our food, our schooling, everything. This is our custom when the father passes. My uncle brought me to the city to live with his family, those who remained in Africa. He chose me out of all my brothers and cousins because he believed in me, that in the future I will be something. I will change the family, the community. Some people thought this was a mistake. They said, keep her in the village, find her husband, in the city she might lose her way. In some ways, they were right. It was there, in that city, I met some people who would change the course of my life. I had always been taught that everyone who is not Somali is Christian. That the evil we see on TV and movies is because they are Christians. But when I met my new neighbors, they were different. They called themselves Christians, but weren't drunkards or adulterers or immoral, like I was taught. Even though they didn't know me, they welcomed me, sharing their home with me. I started thinking, no, it should be Muslims, because you are very good, more than even a Muslim. I told them this, and I started thinking, if these people are really Christians, what was it that I was told? Before every meal or activity we had together, we prayed. And for me, it was the first time I had seen that. It was different than what I had seen on TV sitting with them and listening and seeing it, I realized I wanted it. That's how I wanted to pray. That's how I want to do it. Except the part at the end where they say it in the name of Jesus. That's the part I struggled with. They prayed about everything in their life, like they were talking to someone they knew, like a father. led to many discussions about religion, about who God is, about who we are. They would ask me questions about Islam. I would ask them questions about Christianity. I would say, no, that's not Christianity. Then they would refer me to the Bible. We would read it together. But soon, I wanted to know more. I wanted to read it for myself. I asked for a Bible of my own. I read it in secret, and I remember I would read and read and read, and I just wanted to go on and on, but I struggled with who Jesus was. I was always taught that God is one, For God to have a son, that's blasphemy. He would have to marry, have a wife, and that's impossible. For me, I could not even listen to it. In the Quran, Jesus was only one of the 25 prophets of Allah. And God is completely different from the prophets. He is above the prophets. I cannot talk to him the way I talk to a pastor. In the Bible, they talk about God as somebody who really loves and cares about them and is with them. It's like a parent and a child. But for us, God cannot be like that. He is far from that. But I knew these two books couldn't both be from God. They couldn't both be true. The Quran says the Bible has been twisted and distorted. Yet, as I read the Bible, I was drawn to it, convinced of it. Even if this is true, there's no way I can accept it. I'm a Somali. There's no other world I can believe in. If I accept it, I will be killed. I will have a life. I will be married. I will be without a family. But the closer I got to my Christian friends, and the more I studied, the more trouble it caused for me and for me. They wanted to know where I was getting this all of a sudden doubt. I should not ask questions. Asking questions about Islam means that I was doubting. that say, you can't be friends to Christians. These teachers, the sheikhs, they said you can't eat with them. You can't even shake hands with them. But those were all the things I was doing. And I told my brother, it's different than watching the video. And he wouldn't listen. You are shaming us. are are doubting the teachings of the sheikhs? Are you an infidel? community. They turned against me. I was sent away from the city against my will, back to the village, back to the desert. When I got to the village, the sheikhs were waiting. For five days, they passed around me. has to accept. You have to want it for the prayer to one. But this time, I didn't. I was forced to. My heart was completely me. I had no hope in this prayer. So I didn't want this life they had planned for me. And I felt more helpless than ever. I thought my life was over. submission. But to hide my identity. It was my only way to escape. And I would have only one chance. I got the last ticket for the bus, but I had to run. My heart was just beating. Just praying, just praying that I can get away. But two hours outside the village, the bus broke down. Everyone got off. I just sat there. man under the bus i could hear all the noises but i was frozen i was thinking they are coming coming to get me i have never felt more helpless but then i remembered the things i read about jesus the miracles he did i remembered all those talks with my christian friends about how he healed the sick how he brought the dead to life if it really is true, then he can help me. All my hope was in this prayer. If you are a little son of Jesus, and then I felt it, a hand on my shoulder, a whisper in my ear, yes, it's true. I turned to see who had spoken. I couldn't see anyone, but I knew he was there. Jesus was there, I wasn't alone. I wasn't afraid, and that's when I had it. <laughs> There were shouts of joy all around me. The bus was fixed. A few moments later, we were moving. My prayers were answered. Somehow, I was saved. I made it safely back to the city, the place where I live today. And yes, I'm still a Somali. I don't have to dress differently or eat different foods but some things are different in many ways i am a woman without a country without a family i am a somali christian a contradiction and it hasn't been easy especially those first years moving from house to house the threats the loneliness following christ cost me everything but it was worth it. Among my people, there is a proverb. I and Somalia against the world. I and my clan against Somalia. I and my family against the clan. I and my brother against the family. I against my brother. But I don't believe this anymore. Now, I pray for different things. I pray that God will redeem the Somali people. They are not the enemy. They just need to know the truth. I pray that my people would know the Jesus of the Bible. I pray that other believers around the world will remember Somalis, that they will pray for them and intentionally go to them like my Christian friends did with me. And I pray that Jesus will restore my relationship to my family. I miss my mother and sisters. I miss my brother.
1: Anyone ever seen that before? Besides... What you guys notice about um, the culture and community of Somalians in the video?
3: <laughs> three knowledge from the religion, almost three dollars from the family. Mm.
1: More violent way, too. Yeah, religion and culture so connected that. Like it's almost like you can't even be a part of the culture anymore. In some ways,
3: it also almost feels like you lose your identity of who you are when you renounce from the religion, mm-hmm. and you're just kind of searching. If I'm not this, then who am I really? Mm-hmm.
1: Did you guys see any pros or cons to kind of the tight knit community that the Somalis have? Um, The loyalty, like between family members, the uncle. Yeah. Providing for his brothers. Yeah. That's beautiful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. We could learn from that. Mm
3: -hmm. (laughs) It's kind of tough, though, too, because (coughs) in, in a way, there's just no freedom offered. So, I mean, it comes—it comes at a price to a certain extent. Mm. I mean, because like she said, she said to be Somali is to be Muslim, right? And so, to be anything else means like you're not a part of that system that's looked after anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Where's your place? Mm-hmm. We have a a guy who typically comes in and gives his testimony from Somali. Somali is a Muslim background believer. And when he came to faith, it was 20 years until he t- spoke to his family again. 20 years that they kept him at a distance and he wouldn't have anything to do with them. But now he's been reunited, praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's it's a very real thing. What would be a challenge or what would be an opportunity for the gospel to go forth in that environment? Knowing that they're so close and so tight knit as a community
0: have that relationship with God kind of thing. or like they like have the father or that family structure closeness to know that you're you can be that close to God through Christ mm. kind of thing
1: so the parallel between God being our father and yeah. just your family community and God is a relational God and he wants to know us and okay I see that that's good
0: hmm. The gospel or to get into a family, the whole family would convert, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be an individual thing if it was from top down, like most likely father or grandfather. Or dad, yeah, it would spread probably. really good if it took home.
1: So, so maybe like one or two of the key leaders, if they were to come to faith, who knows how that could spread, right? If
0: yeah, so I feel like she has no opportunity to share the gospel rather than like. Like you're saying, like it's, I think it's important who I would witness too. Mm-hmm. Like if I was in that situation, like I wouldn't go talk to children at first because it's mm-hmm. like they are just going to get kicked out and all not listen to them. But if you can find someone with power, someone they respect, mm-hmm. then it makes a lot more mm-hmm. sense.
1: Mm-hmm. So let's talk now about just her journey for how she came out of Islam the different steps, the different key points that helped her get to that point where she was professing Christ? What were, what were some of those things that you saw in, in the video? Because her story is somewhat typical of a lot of Muslims who come to faith in Christ. So you can draw out some lessons from that. Christians moved in next door, started reaching out to her. Okay. Probably the number one thing right there. Being able to talk and dialogue, having a friend that's a Christian. Pretty much any Muslim background believer is going to tell you at some point in their journey they had a Christian friend. So important. Yet, something like 80% of Muslims don't have a Christian friend, you know. So sad to think about. What else?
0: I think our example is way more important to them than, like, our words. Like, they never talked about them, like, preaching to her first. It was just that mm-hmm. like they were themselves, and then she liked what she saw and was curious about it, rather than being like, hey, we're Christians, like, what are you?
1: Yeah. They were just mm-hmm. themselves. Yep. They lived their lives for the Lord, and it, it spread. There was the aroma of Christ, which was attractive to her. That's good. What are the things that you notice? How about the very, very beginning? What got her to go into the city to begin with? Wow. Her uncle told her to leave. Tragedy yeah. kind of tied A tragedy. Yeah. Her father died,
4: mm-hmm.
1: you know? Um, so many immigrants are refugees today. Are refugees because of a tragedy a war or something going on in their country and they have to leave and I think that's representative of the system of Islam is not actually an eternal system it will combust from within eventually and then people are scattered and then they are now all of a sudden neighbors with Christians and things like that you know so there's tragedies that God uses um, they're saying Within the Syrian refugee population, there's a lot of them coming to faith in Christ now. Mm -hmm. Would that have happened had there not been ISIS and everything in in their own country? Mm -hmm. Maybe not. You know? So, tragedy is one thing that a lot of times pushes Muslims to kind of start asking questions. Typically, they wouldn't. And then the second thing was, she went into the city... And she met some believers, right? Um, and then, what what did she notice about them? What were some of the things she noticed about their lives that stood out to her?
3: I mean, they were they were different than than what it was that was built up. So, like, not radically immoral drunkards. <laughs> like, yeah. uh-huh. like, there's a family that was kind of working together as a unit, but also just individually. I mean, like typically caring people what Mm. she witnessed. Mm.
4: And they loved her and welcomed her in, even though she didn't hold similar beliefs. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And they prayed earnestly and very genuine. Right. Yeah, she talked a lot about the prayer. Mm -hmm. It really intrigued her. It's like, you're actually talking to someone, it seems like you actually know that person. Yeah. Think about that. The prayers often of, of Muslims that they offer are rote, sayings that they hope are going up. But there's there's kind of a disconnect between the persona- personability of that God that they're praying to. You know. So her the the prayers of the Christians was, was a big deal for her as well. I think what you said, Josh, too, just about there she had a lot of misconceptions about what a Christian is. Um, and today we hope to kind of correct maybe some of those as we go to the markets by being respectful, by demonstrating modesty in our dress and kindness in our words and all this kind of stuff. Every opportunity that you have to interact with a Muslim is an opportunity to help that person kind of correct some of their uh, beliefs about what a Christian is. You know? So, even if you're not like sharing the gospel with them and seeing them saved, you might be moving them from very uh, having much animosity against Christians to a little bit less, you know? And the next person that comes along, maybe it's a little bit less for them, you know? And it, so there's a journey that we have an opportunity to help these, these Muslims kind of walk to seeing what true Christianity is all about. Are there any misconceptions we have about Muslims? Do you think?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah? Like
0: what? Well, I feel like from what I hear in the news, like I know most of them aren't violent, but I hear that they really hate Christians, so I feel like me telling them that I'm a Christian isn't gonna like make them excited, so I'm kinda nervous, like Gotcha. I don't know,
3: like You
1: You watch Fox News that we watch. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's there is an agenda well you know in our culture you've got the one side saying they're all peaceful and the other side saying basically they're all terrorists yeah. <laughs> the truth is there's probably somewhere in the middle <laughs> and we need to understand but there's definitely misconceptions just in your own heart do you guys can you think of anything that um maybe that video helped tear down a misconception you might have had about and maybe you don't know now, but maybe after you go to the markets and come back, there might be some of that you say, "Oh man, that really helps clear some things up for me because I thought they were this, and this is really what they are." So then, after she um, she met the Christians and she saw them pray and how they lived, and then what? And then what did she do?
3: She asked for a Bible.
1: She got a Bible. Yeah, the Word of God is is going to be what drives it home, right? Mm-hmm. We've got to get Muslims in the Word of God eventually through our relationships. It's got to go there. If it doesn't go there, then it's kind of just like a social gospel a little bit. It's um, interesting how
0: she said that it just drew her in mm. like it wasn't even really any like they were reading together but it really wasn't even anything that the other lady said mm-hmm. like the word itself just drew her in and she knew that it was
1: true right even more so than reading as well mm-hmm. and she couldn't put it down she just wanted to read <laughs> read and read and read we've got a friend here in, in the twin cities who um he's not a muslim but he he, he had a conversion experience and he was describing, I've never been a reader. I, I basically can't even read, but I cannot put the Bible down. You know? <laughs> when God is like doing something in somebody, He draws them to His Word. So that's an exciting thing to see. So she started exploring the Bible. And then what happened? She ran into a lot of doubts actually about like who Jesus really was. Is this even possible for this to be true? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's kind of this period of like. God's supposed to be way up here. Yeah, she, she had to wrestle through here. some of the mm-hmm, what she'd been taught and then what she's learning. And, that's hard. Can you imagine growing up being told, Jesus is not God, he, you know, your whole life, that's all you ever hear preach from the men you respect, people you respect the most in your family, and that's your community, that's your worldview, that's everything. And Now you're seeing the, hearing this other idea come up. Can you imagine how difficult that would be
3: one of the biggest misconceptions, or like one of the biggest challenges, like most of us are Christians because probably our family is Christians, and so you mm. kind of get like brought up into the faith. Mm-hmm. But like being raised in a world where should say this isn't right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: looks different. Yes, yeah, Satan has worked wonders blinding Muslims, right? From the time that they're, the day they're born. the the Shahadas whispered in their ear there's no God but God and Muhammad is His it's the first thing whispered in their ear you know and then they grow up in the age of 8 they're supposed to have memorized the whole Quran and and, and that's just the system that they're in right hopefully it gives us some kind of compassion for, for where they're at
3: it is kind of the lifeblood of the community, too. I mean, just in the way that they operate. So talking about families, things like that, but the sphere is a lot bigger than that. So, I mean, they'll hang out at this marketplace that we're going to, mm-hmm. like, throughout the week a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. it's not just on Sunday or, I mean, it wouldn't even be Sunday, but it's not just that they're going there one day a week to worship. Like, their community really is all-encompassed by the yeah. belief system.
1: Absolutely. In, in their place of social gatherings is the call to prayer, you know? So that make sure that they don't miss it. Playing a video game with your friends, Halo or whatever, like, it's yeah. a call to prayer, okay guys, sit down your controllers, let's go pray. Like, it's very different. Can you imagine, as well, we're in the month of Ramadan right now. What if Christians, every single Christian, fasted together for an entire month, and every single night got together and fellowshiped and broke bread together. Can you imagine how unifying that would be as a community?
4: Yeah.
1: You know? How someone who's not a part of that would just wouldn't get it. Just might not understand the bonds that are created through that kind of thing. I mean, I, I think those are, some of those things are beautiful things. Uh, when you just take the religious side out of it. So she goes through some doubts, but then she's continuing to read, and then what happens? She's still reading. She's discovered by her brother. She gets discovered, and then she gets persecuted, basically. So any hint of someone even starting to question. How dare you question our uh, imams? That means you're doubting. And he hits her and he abuses her and locks her in in a room by herself, right? And then they take her back to the village and the elders spit in a, in a bowl and she's to drink it and they do these incantations and things like that. Persecution, right? How many of you had to go through that when you came to faith in Jesus?
0: Mm.
3: No. Yeah.
1: Not, not to that extent, but my wife
3: definitely experienced that. Yeah? Like leading her Catholic family.
1: Okay. So, that, so there's some of that. And that she would understand at a deeper level than most of us would.
0: I think ours happens like the more we grow closer to God like I always tell my friends that like the more I I feel like I get closer away from like non-christian people's like worldviews and I feel like that's harder but I feel like for them it's like right away mm-hmm. that makes sense like I feel like people think less of me now that I like don't do the same things as I did in the past and that's because my heart has changed towards God but like no one was like upset with me at the beginning because I was a new Christian and I feel like that's something I don't understand mm-hmm. Like I feel like when you know you're reading the Bible, you don't know that she's gonna become a Christian, so I don't get why they would care. Like yeah. it's, it's weird that they're that serious about it like, no one no one like makes fun of you when you're like, oh yeah, I read the Bible, they like no one cares. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's like a big deal. Mm-hmm.
1: So you realize that there's power in these other words, you know? That there's this intrinsic fear that Satan has birthed just in the culture and religious system of Islam of looking at the truth. You know? And You see it in our our country, too. People are willing to accept faiths and religions, everything except Christianity. It's just Satan working to prevent people from seeing the truth. So persecution happens to a lot of these Muslim people who are coming to faith. And then there's also this element at the very end that you saw where she's in the bus. And what happens in the bus?
3: Double breakdown action.
1: Double breakdown. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs>
3: the bus breaks down and so does she. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. What and then what happens? How does she get through that?
3: She, she reflects prays. she reflects upon everything she's been reading about or that she heard the prayers over and basically says, like, God, or Jesus, if you are, like, who it is that I think I've come to find you, then, like, basically remove me from the situation or free me from the situation.
1: And what does she feel at that point? She said she okay. felt a hand on her shoulder
4: mm-hmm.
1: and a whisper in her ear. No one's there. But she knew it was him. She had a supernatural encounter with Jesus. Jesus. Guys, this is very common in the Muslim world. You've probably heard this. People are having dreams and visions about Jesus. And he's setting them free. So, those kind of, that that's her journey, and that's a similar journey to a lot of people. There's the elements of persecution, there's elements of getting in the word, elements of meaning of Christian, elements of trauma, elements of um, the miraculous. So, you might wonder why people people always are praying, give dreams and visions to the Muslim world. Well, something like 25% of Muslim background believers said they had a a dream or visionary experience, some kind of supernatural encounter or saw healing or something like this that brought them to faith. So it's happening. I don't know why God is choosing to do it in their culture and less in other cultures, but that's just the way he's working. So, pray for that too, even. Um, As you go to the markets and maybe as you're Walking in or on your way, pray for supernatural encounters, right? So God is still do, in the business of doing that. So, any other questions about the video, or anything else that people wanted to just
3: the proverb that she yeah. talks about? What, yeah, I kind of kind of confuses me. Um, that's just a statement. Uh, so, <laughs> so I, don't know, I don't know if you could maybe provide any clarity on that. It's just like, I know it breaks down from basically me against, some, or Somali against the world, and then you kind of like go down by group by group. And so you're basically saying each closer thing to you is against the thing above that. Mm-hmm. So what, what is that saying?
1: If you look on the bottom of page 25 in your book, I don't know, maybe this will provide some clarity, but there's a question because it quotes the proverb, I am Somalia against the world, I am my clan against Somalia, I am my clan against the clan, I am my brother against the family, I against my brother." And then it asks a question, this Somali proverb addresses the issue of allegiance and relationship. How was Amara's understanding of cultural loyalty and hierarchy challenged by her desire to follow Christ? What do you think about that question? Restate the question, I like what you're trying to ask. So, how is Amara's understanding of cultural loyalty and hierarchy challenged by her desire to follow Christ? So, that proverb demonstrates the cultural loyalty and hierarchy you're supposed to have as a Somalian. Sure. And how does following Christ kind of challenge that understanding. It gives her a whole new identity of who she is. Mm-hmm.
3: I think it turns her from, like, being against people who are against her to being for her enemies, mm-hmm. and, like, the movie ended with her trying to love her brother even though he no. be- was the
1: initiating cause mm-hmm. of all her suffering? Mm-hmm. She wanted relationship. Back with. Yeah. So following Christ kind of turns that whole thing like on its head. It's not me against these people. It's me laying my life down for these people, even though they hate me. You know. What do you think, Josh? Does that give you an answer you're looking for?
3: Yeah, it, I know no, that makes perfect sense. The proverb to me is just hard to wrap my head around. Okay. It's like, that It has that it's dissected that way. I mean, I know it's a proverb, but just that that is the true sentiment of what they're feeling. It's like, these are where my loyalties lie, mm-hmm. like, to almost to the death, so. Mm-hmm. What do
1: you guys know about Somalians... Incredibly hospitable. Okay. So you probably met country. them then. In Minnesota. So live in
0: Minnesota. Mm-hmm.
1: So the in Minnesota. There's, we, there's more here um, outside of Somalia than any other place in the world. It's like 70 or 80,000. What were you going to say? No. Nope. Oh. I was <laughs> going to say they're pretty tall. <laughs> yeah, the tall <laughs> of, yeah, they're tall
0: and skinny. I don't that way.
4: They're really respectful.
0: Okay.
3: They were very brightly colored hijabs. Okay. Make?
1: I haven't noticed that, but, and by hijab, you you mean the, the head covering. The head covering. Yeah. yeah. They're really good soccer. They're
3: really good soccer too. Okay. Oh, yeah. They're bad drivers, a little Somali that might
1: have be been Oh, man. That's right, I forgot. Yeah.
0: I'm oh, sorry. Those driving skills are not so good.
1: I, I had a Somali <laughs> at the market tell me, you know, you guys let in, when you let us come into your country, you let in some weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> and he goes, Somali women with a cell phone tucked into their gear, <laughs> <driving> a minivan. <laughs> <laughs> That's,
4: That's a weapon was. of mass
3: destruction.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have to drive doubly defensive. Mm-hmm. Yes. There was, there was a parked car on our street right here. Smalley woman came around the corner, just drilled it into the, a telephone pole. Oh. So it was smashed from the back end and from the front end, and it was parked on the side of the road. And so then there was a smally man who came out, I guess probably related to her, and tried to like act like he was the one driving, because she didn't have a license. Oh. It was the whole debacle. Oh. Uh, there's a lot of action that takes really place is, over here. There
3: was <laughs> like three some young small girls that were across the street yesterday afternoon. And they were videoing one girl while she tried to put the car and drive and, like, just pu- pull it away from the curb. It was just oh, a no. fiasco to watch. It was interesting.
1: Well, that makes you feel like they're real people, just like the yeah. rest of us, you know? Yeah.
0: Our yeah. um, lights
3: <laughs> My exposure, so not being from Minneapolis, I mean not, if I'm just speaking candidly, like, my only exposure was Hollywood. Like Somalian pirates um, uh, yeah
1: mm. a lot of people say that pirates and even people say um, that you know those crack stacks not far from mm-hmm. here that have the multi windows um, people have said that that was that's ground zero for recruiting for isis and in, in the country in our country so there's been some kids even from a mosque not far up here who've been just gone missing and they wound up there overseas. overseas um, Serving ISIS or something like that. So you know, the people hear that kind of stuff. Ten bucks. Yeah. 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 We actually, if if the guy who usually comes to give his testimony, he's related to the Captain Phillips pirate, the one who played the actor who played the role. Uh, okay. Yeah. He actually helped him practice his lines before he went auditions. So, he's not no and he'll say the reason they picked him is because he's so ugly that's what he said um, yeah so hopefully you guys go out and you you find something different than what the media is telling you um i believe that you will so, I think we have a little bit of time still. If you turn on page 26, let's just briefly cover. How many of you guys know what the basic Islamic beliefs are? The five pillars. Can you guys list them without looking at your sheet?
3: Okay. Belief in God.
1: Belief in God. So, like, it's like creed, it's Shahada. There is no God but God, and Muhammad is his prophet. That's one of the mm-hmm. pillars.
4: If you say Togrim. that,
1: you're a Muslim.
4: Pilgrimage to Mecca?
1: Okay, Pilgrim Mishmikah, yes. That's called the Hajj, All right? that's another one? Prayer. Prayer five times a day, good.
0: Fasting.
1: Fasting during the month of Ramana, good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Charity. Charity. You're supposed to give 2% of your money or something away. No so yeah, those five things are basic tenets, right? Um, and that was on page 27. On page 26, some of the sh- basic beliefs throughout the Quran and what their hadiths and things that they they teach. Obviously, they believe in God, only one God. They believe in angels. Um, they believe in prophets. Basically, every single prophet, now I think they add a few that maybe the Bible doesn't have, but there's like 25 major prophets within Islam. A lot of the stories are very similar. If you read the Quran, the story about Noah, um, You know there's very similar elements story about how to use similar elements obviously obviously there's a few details that are different but um, story of Abraham sacrificing his son they would say it was Ishmael who was sacrificed Bible says it's Isaac but you don't major on the differences you it was his son and there's a there's a deeper meaning to that So, so some of the things that are very similar belief in the holy books so the Quran actually highly exalts The Torah, the Zabur, which is the Psalms, and the Injil, which is the Gospels. If you you read the Quran, it highly exalts those books. Now, they've been told that it's been changed since then, but um, the Quran itself, if you just use the Quran itself, you're not going to arrive at that conclusion. There's a few verses that say that the Jewish leaders twisted the meaning of the words mean meaning they knew what the the written word said but then they taught something different in order to deceive but the Quran never says that the actual written word has been changed it actually heavily emphasizes that when God gives a word to man that he keeps it and it cannot be changed by anyone so
4: Hmm.
1: these are some things that are bridges that you can begin to build one of their arguments, oh, so, it's like the Bible. Like I remember, uh, you said, that "Your book is written by multiple different
3: authors. Easy for man to twist. Our book is written by one. Yeah, it'd be hard for the divine to let man twist with one author. So that's kind of where they get the idea. of, Like you're saying, yeah, it's been changed by people. They said because of the multiple authors that wrote it. That's where it got changed.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a bazillion different arguments. I would try to just stay away from that stuff. Just, yeah, you know. In, to build bridges you know and, i was just yeah i was kind of like that's a very interesting argument i get incredible i was like that's very good <laughs> some people so. will try to argue with you um but there's a lot that won't they'll actually try to protect you from mm. people who are trying to do that so um they believe in the day of judgment they actually believe that jesus will return on the day of judgment and judge the world you know so they have they exalt jesus very highly the Quran exalts Jesus very highly. It calls him the word of God. It calls him a spirit proceeding from God. Um, so Jesus is the word and a spirit from God. No other prophet does is, is the, is the Quran talk about it that way. Uh, the Quran mentions Muhammad like three times throughout the whole book, but Jesus like 20 sometimes. Um, it calls Jesus the sinless prophet, the only sinless prophet born of a virgin. It talks about him doing miracles. There's so much in the Quran that we can agree on about Jesus. It's a tremendous, tremendous bridge, I think, into relationship, so.
0: Is it hard to find things that they're like opposed to and they religion really that would make it easy for us to like, cause I feel like it's easy to be like, oh, we agree on all these things, but then like, what well, can I say, like? Oh, trust me, they- Like, do they not, there's something that they don't
1: like, or are they like totally all off? Likely the only things that they'll talk to you about are what they disagree with you on, but. We we just wanna go as a learner and we listen and we ask questions
0: and no, I mean, like, what about their religion do they not like? Oh, what do you mean? Because uh, like, I feel like it's easy to find things that we have in common, but like when I talk to like my Mormon friends I'll be like, Oh, I don't like that I can't drink coffee, like it's really stupid that that's a rule. Like what um, things do they
1: not like Like, be like, Hey, I don't
0: like you know, you don't yeah. have to do. I don't
1: know. Like That might depend on the person. I mean you as you get to know different Muslims. To start to understand some of those things, you know. Okay, let's see here. Okay, we're going to get you out the door here shortly. You're just there looking around and, and you're learning about small culture and you're shopping. So while you're there, you want to observe the culture at the market and then while you're there, we'll give you some money that you can buy an artifact, um, ten dollars Hopefully we'll get you, but you can feel free to buy something more expensive with your money if you, if you want to. And then when we come back, we'll be able to kind of share that with everyone, like what we bought, and talk about it a little bit. Um, guys, you're going to find most places that where other guys are hanging out are bookstores, barbershops, the mosque, tea shops, people watching soccer, different places. Now the, the, the restaurants are going to be closed during the day because... It's Ramadan, so it's gonna be a little bit different for you than for other people who go. But um, you might that might be a good question to ask, like I heard you guys are doing Ramadan right now. How do you break your, like when do you start eating? Can you tell me more about that? Where, where do you go to eat? Because we're gonna to go tonight and we're gonna actually eat a, a break the fast called iftar. So it's the first meal once the sun sets. Where they can begin eating again we're going to go and join some people at a restaurant tonight doing that so you just might want to those could be good questions to ask about women um, retail shops where women are present or if you want um, find a woman who's willing to take you into the back part of the mosque so there's two rooms basically in every mosque there's a main room where all the men are and there's a room that is completely you can't see it from the other room um, where the women go But sometimes they'll have a video feed of what's going on in the the women's room. So um, we strongly, strongly recommend women do not get henna. We've had too many people go and get the black henna, which is fun because you sit and you talk with the women and you can relate and it's fun. But then they scar and for the next six months, it does not go away. So that's, that's our caution to you. It doesn't happen to everyone. But for some of you, some people it does. So, and then while you're shopping, just try to engage in natural conversations. Uh, so, we would like for you guys, when you go to the place, there's gonna be a 24th Street Mall, Carmel Mall, and then Riverside Mall. We're gonna send three different groups of people, three different malls. We would suggest that you split up into two by two and maybe even enter different parts of the mall so it's not like we're bombarding the whole place at once. You have much more success when you're in pairs than if you go with a group of like five people. Imagine them coming to you in a market and there's five of them trying to like talk to you or whatever as opposed to just two. Like, it's just Jesus knew what he was doing when he sent out the 72, two by two, right? So,
4: Would you recommend that we go like two girls together and then go talk to women in a shop or like, and two guys
0: together, would that be the best way to do that?
1: I'm sorry, say that again?
0: Like girls go with girls and guys go with guys? Oh,
1: absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so this culture is you don't really, girls shouldn't really make eye contact with guys. Mm -hmm. If they're making eye contact with you, usually it means they have motives that you just, you don't even want to entertain at all. So just... Move on, okay? Um, and interact with only women. Guys, please don't be... You know, if you're in a shop, and the shop owner is a different gender than you, that's one thing. Because you're talking about business, whatever, that's fine. But just out and about, just talk to your same gender. And the, the pairs should all be gender-specific pairs.
3: And usually women won't, like if you like try to introduce yourself, a lot of times women won't put their hand out.
1: That's correct, they will not shake your hand. And even though I... I I've been told that and, and know that. I still
4: mm-hmm.
1: sometimes do. And they say, oh no, I can't do that. And I say, oh, I'm really sorry, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> so, But it's okay if you do that. We're there, we're making mistakes, and as long as you're genuinely you apologetic about your mistakes, it's no problem. Um, perhaps some of you might wanna spend some time prayer walking before you go in. That's an idea. And then, When you're in there typically in order as a conversation starter we'll we'll say hey where can i get some good somali food since it's ramadan you might ask about ramadan and you say well once once the sun sets you know where do people like to go that might be a good conversation uh starter for some people what are some other ideas for how you might start a conversation
0: you soccer
1: i know they like that yeah soccer that's a that's a great one what do you like to do for fun mm-hmm. you could ask
0: about the shops like where's a good bookstore where is it good oh uh, yeah that's
3: good yeah is reading really valued in their culture or like is it more just like hanging out at bookstores <laughs> <laughs>
1: person in person person to yeah. Person, person yeah
3: the bookstores aren't like
1: bookstores here it's mostly like uh, religious religious uh, type books mm. mm-hmm. you might ask because some of them have come over from Somalia or refugee mm-hmm. camps or whatever you might just ask them
4: mm-hmm.
1: you know how long have you been here and you know tell me a little about, about your story like I know there's there's a civil war there like that's that's a terrible thing. Like, sorry about that. You know, see if they would share more, but just as you get in conversation, you can start maybe digging a little bit deeper into their story and if and if they resist that, then kind of go back out to broader things, broader topics. Um, but a lot of them will, will be very, very happy to tell you their story. Do you, do you know any of like the political
3: background of what happened that mm. may be for us to know?
1: I've heard bits and pieces, but not enough that I could talk um, as you're very educated about it. I know Al-Shabaab is kind of like the big group that's causing a lot of problems there because they want to take the country back to Sharia law and all that kind of stuff. And then there's some other groups that are a little bit, they're resistant to that, so there's conflict. Boko Haram spreading this law yet or not? Boko Haram? Yeah. Are they more Nigerian that far? Again? I haven't heard that they're in Somalia, but okay. Yeah, I don't know the whole story. I would actually highly advise a lot of you to go hang out and ask if you can go in and look at the mosque. And guy, I mean, every single time, like, oh yeah, absolutely, and they'll bring you in and they'll let you sit in the back and and, and observe. Girls. Yeah, well, guys and girls won't be together, but girls ask girls, and girls, the ladies there will take you into a different room where you can sit and observe. So I think that's very informative, and then it, it's, it's a good way to begin asking questions and having dialogue. So definitely do that. If they wanna take you in, that's fine. You, got, you do have to take your shoes off, make sure you pay attention to where they're putting their shoes, take your shoes off from there. But then go in and observe. Any other questions?
0: Will we be there during prayer
1: time? Yeah, so I think prayer will will be around five or so. So it's four oh five right now. So you guys should be there, be able to explore for a little while, and then hope, I think there'll be prayer. What should, our, after. what should our posture be kind of during that prayer time? I mean, obviously we don't want to be disruptive in any way, but mm-hmm. what would you, where would you advise maybe even be a good spot? Yeah, so they'll. They'll have you sitting way back, so like you'll just be sitting on a little bench, Okay. or up against the wall on the floor.
3: So everyone goes to the mosque at prayer time.
1: Yeah, and if if you hear the call to prayer and you see a, a mass exodus of people, maybe ask one of them because hey, where are you guys going? Can I go? Can I go see like what you're doing? That might be a good thing to, to do. As well. They're so, they're very very warm and they'll probably invite you. Probably will. Yeah. Yes.
4: What time
1: is it? I think it's around five maybe okay. I mean it changes daylight okay. hours yeah. changes shifts gotcha. it a little bit but do women usually
3: exit during that time or do they just keep on keeping on
1: yeah women don't they have a little bit different rules I think a little bit different expectations on women for when they need to go, but some women will stay in their shops and then pray in their shops. Some women will go up to the mosque and be in the, in the women's room. Any other questions before you go? So you still want
0: to buy one thing?
1: Yeah, try to buy one artifact. If you get in good conversation and don't have time, don't worry about it. But you're going as a buyer and so that's just a way to get you in conversation. The main thing is to get in good conversations. it would be appropriate if the conversation seemed natural and we're starting to build a relationship to mention our faith oh I mean like faith is going to come within the first if you're in a good conversation they're going to like ask us You think it's going to be yeah and they'll probably make some very uh, some statements that just assume that they know who you are (laughs) that you're a Christian and things like that so at least that's been my experience but faith is so intertwined into their culture and everything they do and think about yeah And they love talking about it, so it wouldn't surprise me if faith issues come up. And feel free to ask them. So, you know, are you Muslim? What does that mean? You know, that kind of stuff. That'd be appropriate too. Just as long as you're asking as a as a learner, you know, genuinely interested in them and what they have to say, that will be received well.
0: Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at cominneapolis.org.